Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mike Angolano, and joining me is my longtime partner in crime, Aaron Johnson. Aaron, we are without Jasper today. Feels a little weird. We were on a roll of two straight weeks. Yeah, I think Jasper went so hard last week uh, on on the show that, you know, he just needed a rest week. You know, a lot of guys in the NBA nowadays, load management. This is load management. <laughs> this is load management for Jasper. I mean, he played 48 minutes plus overtime. So he needed a he needed a, a podcast off, a week off. So he's on load management this week, but you know, you and I we're the Iron Man. We show up and you know, we're we're putting out consecutive shows. So we're here to do the job, shorthanded or not, and, and we're still gonna compete. We are the meme of Jimmy Butler slumped over the pylons uh after the finals, just being tired, but we keep going. We keep rolling. <laughs> um Maybe he just didn't want to be part of the James Wiseman. The second edition of the podcast post-trade deadline, talking about James Wiseman, which of course I don't blame. We'll be doing plenty of right, which of I course we'll be doing. We'll be talking plenty about James Wiseman. We're going to inevitably be talking a little bit more about the off season, and we'll undoubtedly be talking a little bit about some free agency as well as the. Pistons lost season starts to uh, wind down after tonight's round of games. Um, we'll officially be in all-star break mode. Uh, so the season's really winding down. Um, but having to look to draft stuff, having to look to the offseason and whatnot. Um, so inevitably that's going to kind of seep more into the podcast from here on out. But we're going to be talking about James Wiseman making his Pistons debut he debuted against the Boston Celtics, and we'll be talking about our weekly stock report as well. But before we get into all of that, I'd like to thank our sponsor this week, and that is Bet Online. And Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season, everything from pro and college basketball to UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And with live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Bet online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code believe that's B L E A V to receive your rewards. And again, that reward is a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit using the promo code believe B L E A V BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Aaron, I did do a little parlay yesterday with my free bet from Gronk missing the field goal during the Super Bowl. 
for the Cavs and Sixers and proud to say it. It's only five bucks, so it's you know it's not it's not a big deal, but uh, did hit. I needed one more Donovan Mitchell assist, and I think I got it with about three and a half minutes left. So there we go. Very excited about that. <laughs> he there only needed go. four, um, and boy, after the first half of that game, I thought, oh, none of these are going to hit except for <laughs> James Harden's ten dimes and Joel Embiid getting twenty points. Um, so very excited about that. Uh, sports betting in Ohio is pretty pretty fun now you know it certainly makes things a lot more interesting when it when it matters and speaking of things that matter uh, James Wiseman made his Pistons debut against the Boston Celtics Boston did win Jason Tatum was too much but Wiseman finished with 11 points five boards on five of nine shooting in 24 minutes of action he closed the game over Jalen Duran, which, as we learned recently from Mike Curtis, uh, Duran's going to miss the Rising Stars game uh, due to an ankle injury. So that's probably why Wiseman closed over him last night. I don't think we could take too much into that, aside from the fact that Duran was injured. Wiseman's performance was, as expected, more focused on offense. He looked a lot better than he did defensively. He, like I said, 11 points, had a couple of good moves in the post, um, had a shake and bake, a little Euro step to get an easy layup. Um, so, you know, there were there were bits and pieces of a good offensive player. Um, I, I believe good buddy Tim Forkin in the Palace Pistons chat called him like a souped up Marvin Bagley. That might be a little bit more entertaining to watch which is kind of what we saw yesterday. I think he's still just a bunch of unmolded clay. And you could definitely see that some of the some of the decisions and just kind of free balling he does out there on the offensive end is due to a lack of cohesiveness within the Warriors, a lack of um, availability due to injury. So he's not really able to implement himself into the system. But, uh, you know, overall, I think it was about as average of an experience as we could have seen by Wiseman in his first his first action uh, with the Pistons. Did that first game provide any relief? Did it give you more worries? I mean, certainly on the defensive side, I think um, the worries still exist. So, um, but any anything that you could glean from that first performance uh, from James Wiseman? Well, if there's anything that, you know, we learned after last week's show is, you know, people don't want you making sweeping accusations after a limited number of minutes of play. So I'm not going to do that again here. Um, you know, 24 minutes played last night, 11 points, five rebounds, five and nine shooting. You know, it's about what I expected. I mean, we know that that James Wiseman can can come out and is a, a skilled enough player, a skilled enough big. Uh, you know, it helps that he's you know, seven foot tall and can jump. But we know he's going to be able to put the ball in the hoop when he when he's down low. Um, that wasn't anything that surprised me. Knew he was going to you know, try to put his footprint on the game on that side of the court. Um, people will say that, you know, he looked better defensively than maybe what they had seen in Golden State in those limited minutes. And, you know, I think there were a few plays where you can look at it and say, yeah, it didn't look as bad as maybe people thought. I also think there were some plays, uh, specifically there was a play where I think it was Jason Tatum who – blew by him or something, or he got lost, and then Luke Cornett 
drove behind him baseline for an open opportunity at the rim. You know, there's definitely some film where you can look at and say, okay, maybe this was a little bit better than we expected here, but there's still some mistakes there. Uh, and that's got also going to be attributed to new team, new scheme. And we saw him in, in Bogdanovich talking throughout the game about, uh, you know, some defensive plays, m- maybe where he needs to be in this, in these situations, things of that nature. Um, and, 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 Look, Wiseman wasn't, you know, great last night. He wasn't bad last night either. Again, what we expected. And, you know, it goes back to last week when we talked about this. And, you know, obviously we didn't like the trade. And I think a lot of that, and we said it on last week's show, was James Wiseman is just another Marvin Bagley type player. A little bit of a more skilled player on the offensive end. A little bit more throwback in the way that he likes to get down low, get a post up on the block, try to make a move there. But defensively, there's just not as much skill. There's certainly not as much IQ, uh, and that severely hinders him. Um, You look at the Pistons roster situation and you say, well, you've got Jalen Dern. And I think Jalen Dern has had a good enough season to where he should be the vocal point of the Pistons center minutes. And you look at last night where those two essentially split time, Wiseman played just one less minute than Duran. Um, now that may have been attributed to Duran's ankle injury. Uh, I didn't see the first half of the game, so I don't remember it occurring. Um, but that certainly could have played a factor in it. Obviously, we're hearing it from the local beat guys now about that injury for Duran. But there's just a, a it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in Detroit long term which was my main concern with the trade is how does this affect this team long-term? I wasn't upset about moving on from Sadiq Bay. I, like I said, I don't think he was going to make it to a second contract with the Pistons, but I think you look at the rotation. Now you look at the contract situation and, you know, currently the Pistons have Jalen Duran, Marvin Bagley, Isaiah Stewart, James Wiseman, and for now, Nerlens Noel five guys that play minutes at the center spot. I know Stewart's certainly transitioned to to more of a, a four a, a, as of now, but all of those guys play minutes at the five or have this year. So it's interesting to me how Detroit is going to make this work because you really can't play Marvin Bagley and James Wiseman together. You really can't play James Wiseman and Jalen Duren together, although I think they'll try to do that. And I don't know. I mean, you could try Wiseman and and Stewart together and see how that works. But, you know, it's a lot of money committed to these bigs. Bagley's due $12.5 Wiseman's making $12 million right now. Even a while, I know, you know, he may not be on the team much longer, but the Pistons didn't trade him. So we'll see if they just decide to buy him out. But for now, you know, $9 million he's due next year, a little over. Oh, closer to 10 than nine. So you're talking about a lot of money tied up in these guys that have some similar skill sets, similar positions, right? Fits a little wonky. That's where the concern really came for me. Correct. But you can see where Wiseman offensively can, can make an impact for this team. So overall his debut, you know, wasn't anything that blew me away. Certainly wasn't, you know, thinking, Oh, that was a terrible performance from James Wiseman. It, it wasn't, it's just more so the the long-term, bigger-picture stuff that worries me with this move and how it shakes out for everyone involved. Right. And, you know, we, we weren't going to figure out 
James Wiseman's fit after one game, of course. And um, that, but, but that is ultimately the most concerning and unknown aspect of the trade. And you kind of listed out the possible combinations of bigs that you could throw out there. Wiseman and Bagley is a really tough one, uh, unless you have really good point of attack defense by everybody else on the roster, um, as those two are just defensive turnstiles right now. The offense is probably going to be more palatable with those two on the floor. Duran and Wiseman is a tough fit. You get the rim protection, but you're not going to be stretched at all on the offensive side. Stewart and Wiseman seems like it could work if you're going to play Stu at the four and Wiseman can just hang back and be a full-time center. Um, I don't know if he's capable of that. I think he wants to have more isolation opportunities on the offensive side and uh, try to try to take people off the dribble free balling. As I think Jasper said on Twitter, that's what he likes to do. So it's the combination of bigs that you're going to roll with. I think Wiseman and Stewart could work, especially if, Beef Stew's four from six from deep, like he was last night against Boston. I mean, that's that that stretches the floor. That's what creates um offenses to, you know, be more be more deadly. It forces defenses to scramble. It, you know, forces guys to um well, it makes switching a little bit a little bit more difficult. I mean, that's basically what Kevin Love was for all those years with Kyrie Irving is a pick and pop nightmare stretching out a defense. And if that's what they want beef stew to turn into or be, then, you know, so be it. But Wiseman and Stewart seems like it could work on paper, assuming that the rim protection from Wiseman uh, improves gradually. Um, But yeah, that's a, that's a tough combination of bigs to try to squeeze in. And, you know, I, I think we both agree that Marvin Bagley, his time seems to be on its last legs because Wiseman is such an overlap to him in terms of skill set. So that begs the question of what are you going to end up doing with that contract in the off season? You're going to probably have to attach an asset to it to, to move him out of Detroit. And it goes back to our off season uh, issue with that signing in the first place, but that's for a different discussion down the line. Um Anything else from James Wiseman's performance? I mean, it's one game. The Pistons are going into the break right now. They're going to get almost a week off at this point. Not a whole lot can be taken from this. I mean, he showed a, he showed some some offensive moves. He his defensive IQ is still a work in progress. But you know, there's always the caveat of he just didn't play enough in Golden State to make any sort of final justification on him. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any other major, major takeaways from the game. Again, it goes back to the bigger picture stuff for me. Uh, It's going to take time to see what Wiseman can be. Obviously, that's been talked about how little he's played. Some of that's due to health. Some of that's due to his fit in Golden State, his performance when he did play. Um, I think it's going to take a while before we can really kind of gain a better grasp on maybe what Wiseman can become. But to me, it 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 feels like, and what it looks like, just from everything that we've seen so far, is he is what he kind of is right now. He it's gonna take a long time for him to make an impact on the defensive end of the floor, and maybe that does come with more reps. And 
hundreds of more minutes and or thousands of more minutes. Maybe that allows something to click for him. But for now, he's going to be a guy that looks to facilitate his game offensively. And, and what you get from him defensively is, is going to be based on how many effort plays he can make, you know, how well is he defending or going at the glass things like that there's he's gonna get out of position he's gonna get beat by players it's just gonna happen he doesn't have the the iq or or the skill right now to really make an impact on that side of the court and for a team that's already horrid 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 defensively that's what makes this a a present day awkward fit uh, even with you know not having to worry about playing marvin bagley right now due to his hand injury, there's just so many guys that that lack defensive fundamentals. The scheme here obviously isn't working, and it puts Detroit in a, a really hard position trying to, to compete every night when they're giving up 130 points a game. So what would what would you like to see out of James Wiseman by the end of the year, by 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 the end of the season, rather? What would you like to see that says, oh, maybe there's a fit? Is it stretching the floor? Is it being able to shoot threes? I mean, I, I believe he took one yesterday. He did. And I believe he he only took one. Uh, well, the last time he attempted a three-pointer was before Christmas. It was December 21st against Brooklyn. And then before that, it was last season. So, you know, is it stretching the floor as seeing seeing something? Is it, you know, shows some growth on the defensive end? I don't know if that's going to happen. I think that's coach and institutional problems that are not going to be solved by the end of the season. Um, I think that coaches are super important for getting getting bad defenders in position to defend well. And we've had our airing of grievances about Dwayne Casey and the rest of the defenders on this team or supposed defenders on this team. But, you know, is it stretching the floor? Is it, you know, having a more, more, uh, more of a game plan when, when he's going to like having more of an internal game plan, when he's going to go, like if he's back to the basket or he's facing the basket, is it having a plan and looking like he knows what he's doing or, or that he has some sort of idea what, what he's going to do on an offensive possession? Is it passing? Is it, you know, what, what do you want to see out of James Wiseman by the end of the season that will make you think, oh, okay, something is there. That's something that we can evolve over the summer and then heading into next season, think, okay, this is a skill he has. This is what he's going to bring. Um, and this has meaning to next year's Pistons. Certainly you'd like to see him be able to stretch the floor, whether that's hitting 18 footers, whether that's hitting three pointers, you know, I don't know how I how realistic that is for him to do right now, uh, but as the season goes on, you know, what what matters most to me is two areas he's graded out very poorly in d- defensively and rebounding. You know how does he make an impact in both of those facets of the game? Does he start to gel defensively more? Does he pick up on what's being you know, spoken to him, what's being shared to him in film. Does he play in the right spots? Is he giving the necessary effort? Is he crashing the glass on both sides of the court? 
Because I know you give James Wiseman 10 shots a night, he's probably going to get to double figures. That's not my question nor my concern with him, the same way it wasn't with Marvin Bagley when he came here. But is he going to take necessary steps in his weakest areas of his game? And maybe he's not a great one-on-one defender, but being willing to learn, being willing to to give higher effort on that side of the court, it may not result in perfect. It may not result in the team becoming a significantly better defensive team, but there's an opportunity for him to come in here and facilitate himself as, at least in my mind, a be- the bench big. I think he has the chance, especially with Bagley out right now, to showcase where he fits in. And, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Isaiah Stewart long-term. I have severe doubts that he makes it to a second contract with with the Pistons. Uh, I don't think he's a long-term option as a starting four or five in the NBA. So that means for him to fit in Detroit, he'd have to be a bench big. And I think James Wiseman has that opportunity to really compete for that spot, for those minutes, for that next contract moving forward because the Pistons have Wiseman, Stewart, and Killian Hayes, who after next year will be restricted free agents. So Wiseman has the rest of this year and next to prove his worth, to get better at his weakest areas of the game, and continue to take strides offensively, whether that's being able to hit hit shots from beyond the arc, you know, be more of a, a five that can do more than just post up on offense, uh, do some more, you know, at the elbows, work and dribble handoffs, work better out of the pick and roll, things like that, finish in pick and rolls. There's going to be all that opportunity for him. So I, for me in the immediate, you know, I just want to try to see, you know, and it's not going to be something that gets better by next game, but as the rest of the year goes on, how does he play defensively? How does he continue to grade out uh, in rebounding metrics and things like that. Yeah. And, you know, I want to clarify a point I had earlier of, you know, spacing is not just shooting threes. It's taking 18 footers. It's being a good playmaker as well. Having good passing tendencies that also creates spacing. Um, Kind of get stuck that spacing is only, the ability to shoot a three-pointer to stretch defense passing is also spacing. So, you know, that's another skill that he could, you know, if evolve, assuming that you can get shooters on the roster that will knock down shots uh, when they have the ball. Um, you know, we, we talked about earlier in the year of the Pistons having to make tough decisions and you brought up the contracts with Killian and with Stu and with James Wiseman. Now, previously it was Sadiq Bay, and we talked about how, Pistons would have to make some difficult decisions about um, who who they're going to keep and who they're not going to keep. It's just funny that we moved on from, or rather the Pistons moved on from Sadiq Bay, And we, you know, it's a collective, you know, had, had you told me that earlier in the season, I would have thought, Oh, cool. That's, that's a decision already made. Not going to give him a contract. We hopefully, you know, Detroit hopefully brought back somebody that, is already under contract and that's already set in stone. And now we have another decision to make with James Wiseman, you know, if you're going to sign him 
what is he going to have for the future? So just a more mess for the, for the off season. But uh, yeah, I think a more fluid offensive game would certainly make me happier about the move. Um, Certainly he has the tools to be at least an aesthetically pleasing offensive player. Uh, But the other stuff's just, it's a work in progress, man. He's going to have the rest of this year and all of next season uh, as well to uh, try to smooth some things out. So we'll have to see, we'll have to see what it looks like. But speaking of the other center on the roster, uh, this was a late addition to our topic list here. We're not going to go into it too in depth because uh, really Jalen Duran should not be, should not be playing the rising stars game anyway, but it was uh, um, Mike Curtis from the Detroit news who relay the information that Duran is not going to be competing in the rising stars game due to a sprained ankle. And, you know, I did watch that game against the Raptors. It did look like he sprained it pretty bad. I think he landed on precious Achua and um, it, it, it didn't look good. I did not see the re-injure during the Boston Celtics game, but apparently he re-injured the ankle uh, against the Celtics. So obviously he should not be playing Kind of a bummer. Wanted to see both him and Jay Nivey compete uh, in the Rising Stars game, but much better that he doesn't participate, collects the accolade, and just heals his ankle before um, the final home stretch of the of the NBA season. Yeah, I mean, he's going to get six days off to get healthy, so that's obviously yep. the most important thing here. No one really – no one's looking back at Jalen Dern playing in the Rising Stars game as any sort of indication – Right. as to his value or anything like that. So more important that he's healthy and ready to go for post all-star break. Yeah. Because the growth of those, of these young guys, that's, that's what the rest of the games hinge on. You want to get Jay Nivey reps uh, on, on ball. Uh, you want to get Jalen Duran reps as much as possible uh, being the youngest player in the NBA. So much better that he sits out um, just a bummer for us, you know, as onlookers. Aaron, it's time for the stock up, stock down report. I don't think we've done this last two weeks or maybe three weeks. I think it's been at least two weeks. I think it was uh, two. Stock up, stock down. Two, yeah, because we had the all or we had uh, the deadline. And then I think the Paris game knocked us down one as well because the team was traveling and missed a game. Um, Aaron, who's your stock up for the Pistons? I mean, I just continue to be eternally grateful. <laughs> That Boyan Bogdanovich is a Detroit Piston. I'm eternally grateful for for the initial move back, you know, right before the start of the season, and thankful that Troy Weaver made the right decision and didn't trade Bogdanovich at the deadline. Uh, 32 points on Friday, the first game after the deadline, the first game after uh, our last podcast. 33 then against the Raptors on Sunday, and last night almost had another 30 point game. 28 points on 70. 0.6% shooting from the field. You know, Bogdanovich is a three-point shooter. Has quietly had a cold month of February, but he's shooting 51% from the field. He's averaging 25 points per game. And these last three games of, of, of this past week have been all boy on Bogdanovich. He's been so, so stellar. I still don't quite understand the notion that the Pistons needed to trade him, should have been looking to trade him, anything like that. Uh, when you have a good player, and he's on a good contract, and you don't have a lot of those, 
You don't have to feel an urgency to move them. The Pistons did it, and Bogdanovich is rewarding them with some very, very, very strong basketball over this last week. Yeah, and he only attempted three three pointers, I believe, against Boston. So out of his 28 points, he only made one three. I believe Killian Hayes took seven threes. Um, Stewart took six. So Bogdanovich was on scoring wise without shooting from deep. He was, to, I mean, 12 17 is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, he could probably be a stock up almost every single week, I think, based on the other talent around him. Um, but he definitely played really, really well. My stock up is kind of a mix. I mean, I was really high on Alec Burks after the Raptors game. Uh, he was just a human torch with 21, um, 21 points on only nine field goals, or rather on only six makes. Uh, he was a flamethrower, but I'm still happy with Hamadou Diallo. He's now had double-digit points in three straight games. He had 18 against Toronto. He had seven boards. He's shot better than 50% in, I mean, looks like dating all the way back to the 26th against Brooklyn. He's been shooting the ball fairly well. Um, had some good defensive showings as well lately. I mean, other than the five steals against Houston, he he's been – Okay, uh, but still shooting the ball well, still sort of filling in uh, as necessary. He's kind of been the glue guy. Um, not a very good three-point shooter. That's not what he was going to be coming into the season, but I think he's continuing to play fine off the bench uh, for a bench unit that has been pretty barren other than Alec Burks. Uh, um, Hamadou Diallo has been, been playing Pleasantly well. I'm I'm still good with him. What about stock down? For me, you know, when you shoot 16% from the field, when you be careful, Aaron, 12% from the three point line, you know where I'm going with this. It's, it's Killian Hayes just continues to not play well. He's had maybe one good game this entire month Uh, on the month. He's shooting 27 and a half percent from the field. 22.5% 22.5% from the three-point line. Uh, it's just not been good basketball. He didn't, you know, have some amazing January either. I know people talk about the he's been so much better over the last 30 games or so. Um, it's just not true. And this last week has been really, really rough for him. I, I, I don't think there's a world where I ever turn around on Killian Hayes. I've been out on him. I'm staying out on him. I don't think I'll ever get back uh, on board with Killian Hayes. He's just not a threat from outside. He's not a threat as an attacker. Yes, he moves the ball well. Yes, he is a, a good passer. He does not do anything else well enough to, to deserve minutes. And so moving forward next season, getting Kate Cunningham back, having Jaden Ivey, having Alec Burks. You know, I don't know what happens in the draft. They don't get a guard in the draft. Going out and getting another guard is probably a priority for Detroit at this point because I just cannot see Killian Hayes being a rotation piece, a long-term piece for the Pistons. I don't know if he fits anywhere else. 
but it's not in Detroit. I don't know if he needs just a new change of scenery, needs to go play in another country. I'm not going to say it, but it's just not going to work here in Detroit. The last three games combined, he's shooting five for 32. Yeah, 16%. Five and 12% from the three-point line. <clears throat> right. Yeah, he's so, uh, not playing particularly well. That will be for his last 20 from deep. He hasn't had one game this month that he's shot 50% from the field. And he scored 10 points or more twice in the last month. A little bit more, like uh, like about five, five-ish weeks. So it's tough. It's tough. I mean, it's it's um, you know, it feels so far away when we were talking about the rebirth of Killian Hayes. That seems like a long time ago now. And um, yeah, back to the tough decision stuff that the Pistons are going to have to make. And we could have our final topic be all about Killian Hayes, but we're not going to because that's for a, a later podcast. But he's got just as much riding on the end of the season as any other player on the team. I mean, he's fighting for being the backup point guard next year for Detroit or, you know, risking being a rebuilding project somewhere else. I mean, that, that's that's where we're at right now. The, the lack of touch and feel on the offensive end. I mean, there, there were some shots and there were some passes against Toronto that I was thinking, what what is he doing? What is he doing out there? He made he tried to make a cross-court pass in into the corner from the opposite side. It probably sailed five to eight rows into the stands. I mean, there, there's just a lack of feel. And some of his takes to the rim, he just you wonder what what growth has happened on that end. And it's becoming more and more um unavoidable to look at and think, man, this is uh this is this is probably the beginning of the end if it if it wasn't already. He was sort of my stock down too as well. Um up until yesterday I had Isaiah Stewart in stock down uh because of the three point shooting. But you know, now they went four four for six yesterday. It does you know it's something to monitor. Um, but he uh, looked a, looked a little bit more comfortable shooting. I don't know if there's going to be any way that that carries past the All Star break because he's been so cold for so long from deep. But you know he's another guy that is in the same boat as Killian Hayes, where he's fighting for the ability to be on this roster next year and get a contract extension, or you know one of the two. So. Um, but he saved himself a little bit going four for six from deep uh, did look a little bit better. I think he was the only, only piston yesterday who had a not negative plus minus. Yeah. He was zero. He was a flat, even 14 points, six boards, four for six from deep, including a block. Um, so beast to save himself a little bit, but up until yesterday, he was my stock down, but four for six. So something to monitor. Um, okay, let's go to our final topic for this podcast. And, you know, you probably thought you were done talking about Jeremy Grant because we spent all last season doing what we're doing now with Killian Hayes and talking about Jeremy Grant being traded and 
his fit on the team and whatnot. And um, guess what? We're, we have a topic all about Jeremy Grant. James Edwards III of The Athletic recently uh, wrote that Grant could return to the Pistons this offseason. It's not out of the question. Um, there was a big piece from James about how Grant came to Detroit in the first place, rebuffed the Denver Nuggets, came to Detroit in the first place uh, because of a strong uh, uh, desire to uh, play for a black general manager. And he has a good relationship with, with Troy Weaver. Now the Blazers are expected to keep Grant. They're going to offer him a significant contract extension to pair him with Damian Lillard. And I mean, I'd be surprised if Portland didn't keep him, but you know, just the fact that the Pistons are in the conversation is, is worth mentioning. Pistons will have a ton of cap space. I'm sure we'll cover this extensively as we get closer to the off season. Um, but we, we talked about last week, they need a wing. You're going to either overpay for Grant or Harrison Barnes, or you're, you're going to get Kyle Kuzma and hope that the wizards don't want him anymore. Although I, I, I doubt that too. You're going to have to find a wing somehow. Is that going to be Jeremy Grant and his ISO heavy goodness that we hated so much for those few years? Um, there's just a lot to unpack with all that. And we've, we're probably going to be unpacking more of it throughout the off season as, as you know, rumors keep on flying. Should the Pistons be interested in bringing Grant back this summer? I mean, it feels like they have to consider it just because how, how dearth of wings they are right now. Yeah. I mean, you look at Detroit's options in free agency and the, the free agency class as a whole, is it strong? And that applies to the wing grouping as well. I mean, Jeremy Grant is probably the right. best wing on the market in free agency. Really the three names that, that come to mind are Jeremy Grant, Kyle Kuzma and, and Harrison Barnes. And you know, for me, bringing back Jeremy Grant certainly is an option. I'll say right now up front, I don't think it happens. I do not think Jeremy Grant will be back. I do think I would agree with you. Should be looking at Grant though. Um, he's averaging. You know, his average has remained the same essentially. He's having a great time season. in Detroit, but his efficiency is is up across the board. Uh, 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 just about six percent from from the field goal from as as a part of me losing my words. Uh, his field goal percentage is up about six percent. Three point percentage is up about five percent. The numbers in terms of per game averages about the same. Twenty one points a game, uh, just over four rebounds, just over two assists. But the efficiency is up across the board for him. Um, you know he's he's. Not in that number one role that he was in with Detroit. Um, you know, pseudo 1A, 1B with when Cade was out there as well. Um, so coming to back to Detroit, it would certainly be in a different role for him, which I know is a point that you've made offline before. Uh, it wouldn't be in that one number one option type role. It would be more of a, uh, a secondary to hereditary scoring role. But for what Detroit needs, Jeremy Grant's a guy that, in terms of fit and play style, certainly, certainly makes sense. What it comes down to is, 
outside of A, is Jeremy Grant interested in coming back to Detroit? B, do you want to make that financial commitment to Jeremy Grant? Because when the Pistons, you know, last year we're talking about, hey, like, the Pistons could extend Jeremy Grant now four years, 112 million max contract. That's what it looks like for him. That's not the same number anymore. And, you know, that was something that the Blazers offered Jeremy Grant as well. They offered him that four year, 112 max contract and, and Grant, you know, declined it and wants to go into free agency. Now he said that really likes Portland. He believes in the general manager, Joe Cronin, everything's good, but you know, he wanted to wait to discuss his contract until the offseason. And so now he's eligible for a $233 million contract extension over five years from Portland. Every other team can offer him a four-year, $174 million contract. So you're talking about a, a significantly higher financial commitment to grant than you were a year ago now obviously the cap is going up rather significantly so this money when you average it out to what it would equal in terms of the current cap situation may not be as ridiculous as it sounds but that's a rather large number and my mind always thinks back to the 2016 free agency class where Timothy Mozgov was signing four-year, $64 million deal with the Lakers. and Oh, there were so many, so many bad, bad, bad. People went crazy. Every team, you know, the, the, the few teams that didn't dig themselves into financial holes that offseason saved themselves. And, you know, this is where my mind goes. Do the Pistons want to lock up that much cap space in Jeremy Grant? And 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 mind you, this is what we we just kind of talked about when we were talking about James Wiseman. So you look at that four or five spot; they already have money committed there. Wiseman twelve million, Bagley thirteen million. Uh, they're going to have to make a decision on Isaiah Stewart. Nerlens Noel is currently making $10 million in the next year. There's a lot of money committed in that front court. If you want to count Bogdanovich in that, that's yeah. another, you know, $19 million. a lot million of dead dollars. money too. And they have all that dead money as well. So I think those things, you know, the two things are, does A, does Jeremy Grant want to be here? B, do the Pistons want to make that big of a financial commitment to Jeremy Grant? Because And maybe he doesn't get $174 million. Maybe the Blazers don't offer him that $233 million. Maybe he only gets $150 million. Even so, do you want to pay Jeremy Grant $150 million for four years? That's the question the Pistons have to ask. That's where it gets a little bit more weary for me. I guess I'd have to know a little bit more about just how much the cap is going up, how that would equate to what you know the current uh, contracts look like uh, nowadays compared to what they would translate to in, in the next cap situation. So... I think Jeremy Grant as a player is a fit. And I think the Pistons should be interested in that. But does he want to be here? And does the financial commitment make sense for this team? Right. And, you know, it's going to hinge a little bit on the draft as well. Who are the Pistons going to be staring at? Are they going to be looking at Victor Wembanyama and all of a sudden their window to 
be a little bit more competitive is wide open. Doesn't solve the um, front court problem at all. In fact, it makes it worse. But um, that that will impact things. And you know, Portland is such a conundrum of a team. I have no idea. They are like perpetual. They're like the poster child. Them and Washington are just the poster children of. We're going to compete, but not too hard. And if we don't make the playoffs, it's just by a little bit. They're just like stuck in NBA purgatory, which I wrote about a long time ago as being the, as being way worse of a place to be in than down at the bottom, scrounging for picks in the lottery. You'd much rather be there than be in NBA purgatory. But I digress. Um, I don't know if I'm comfortable paying Jeremy Grant that much. I also don't necessarily think he's coming back to Detroit. Um, playing with Dame has got to be kind of fun. Anthony Simons is a good ancillary player. Um, it's everything else that I don't think is particularly good that's going to hold them back. The bench, um, the lack of shooting, they traded Josh Hart for Cam Reddish, who's much like James Wiseman, is just a box of mystery. You don't know what you're going to get. Might even be Josh Hart-esque player. Um, so I, I just don't know what they're doing, but I feel like they're probably going to keep Grant because Dame's having such an incredible season. I feel like they need to keep, that. you know, that you're already in too deep. You got to keep putting players around him and just hope for the best and see what happens. I feel like they'll do their best to keep him, um, but I would put this in a low chance of happening. Watch, it's going to happen now, right? Now that we said it's probably not going to happen, <laughs> it's guaranteed to happen. Hey, that's the how reverse we're... jinx. Uh, you mentioned the 2016 free agency period. Some of these contracts, because I'm looking them up now, some of these contracts are absolutely insane. Crazy. Um, Chandler Parsons. Oh, boy. Chandler. Chandler Parsons got four years, $94.8 million. Wow. Four years, 94 point. Was that John Hollinger? I think it was John Hollinger. <laughs> that was John uh, Hollinger. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's like the poster child of bad contracts for that year. Uh, you already said Timo, four years, 64 with the Lakers. That was an unmitigated uh, disaster. Also, the Lakers signed Luol Deng for four years and 72 mil. Miles Plumley. The Bucks gave him a four-year, fifty-two million dollar contract, along with Matthew Delvadova at four years and thirty-eight million dollars. Good for Delhi. Get your money. Good for Miles so Plumley. Get contracts. your money. So many bad. That was like a. That was an insane time. Joe Kim Noah had a stupid contract. Alan well, Crabb had a ridiculous contract. Million. Solomon Hill, four years, forty-eight million. Solomon, is he is he in the league still? No, no. I didn't think so. He's like, oh, Jan, Jan Mahinmi, four years, 64 mil with Washington after doing nothing in Indiana. Nine points and seven boards, he got 64 mil. Craziness. What, what an insane time. And, you know, if the TV deal is anything as insane as what we think it's going to be, we, we could be headed for another free agency period of just – People throwing money around like it's nothing. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily think the Pistons should be one of those teams throwing 230-odd mil at uh, a small forward that 
we complained about so much when he was on the team as being a poor team player, wanted to be the number one option. If let's just say that the Pistons get Victor Wembanyama and they sign Jeremy Grant, is Jeremy Grant the third option, the fourth option? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's a good point. I don't think the Pistons are getting Wembanyama. Side note, but um, no, I <laughs> you are doing just, yourself no favors for being a hater. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Zero. Embrace it at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, I just again, I, I, I don't, I did not have the same issues with Jeremy Grant that a lot of people did. Uh, I think for how bad the team was, someone had to be the guy, and Jeremy Grant was put into that role, and it was what it was. He's obviously doing just fine in Portland. The efficiency's up. He's in a smaller role. You know, if he's oh, if great. it's a situation of he's only willing to come back to Detroit if he's you know the top guy again, like fine. You know, obviously you don't make that the, you don't no. make that deal, but it's a it's a no. He's he's been a, a he has had a successful successful season this year, and the fit makes sense for a team that is in desperate need of wing depth, is in desperate need of defense. And is in desperate need of shooting. Yep, I think that kind of ties a nice bow on that whole uh, discussion. But of course, we always welcome feedback from our loyal listeners. So, would you want Jeremy Grant back in a Pistons uniform? A reunion with probably a top three pick, plus a healthy Kate Cunningham, and all the growth that we've been seeing this year. Jay Nivey starting to show some better offensive play and Jalen Duran being the center of the future, you know, would you want Jeremy Grant back in a, in a Detroit Pistons uniform? It's at least compelling to think about um, again, because they just don't have any wing depth whatsoever. They traded uh, one of their wings for another center. So we'll see how that uh, turns out. Aaron, are you excited for all-star weekend before we, you know, end this podcast, Are you excited, a little less excited now that Duran's not going to be in the rising stars game. No, that doesn't really matter to me. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'll watch the All Star Game. I still enjoy the All Star Game. You know, I know some people don't really like it. Um, I enjoy it. I'm gonna watch it. I don't know how much of the other stuff that I'll really sit down and watch this year. I guess you I don't want to watch Julius Randall shoot threes. Yeah, what a crazy addition to the three point contest that was. I know that I do have no no desire to watch a dunk contest. The NBA has fumbled the bag with that for so long that they either need to do something to get some of the bigger names to participate in it, or they just need to replace the dunk contest with something else. Uh, It's just such a weak group. You know, maybe these guys aren't bad dunkers, but at the end of the day, we want to see names. We don't want to watch Mac McClung and Trey Murphy. Uh, We want to watch, John Morant, Zach Levine, those types of players, not these role players and G League guys that we're now getting. It's just, it's right. just, it just doesn't have the same atmosphere that it that it used to have. Um, yeah. So I won't be watching that. You know, it's just tough. Saturday night, right? What are you doing with you? Know, are you sitting down and watching the dunk contest, the three point contest, like? 
it's just it's not probably my number one priority. And that's fair. And I think all the reasons you brought up are valid reasons to not want to watch. You know, you don't want to watch Jericho Sims dunk, even though I think he's the heavy favorite right now. Um, it's like the home run derby for me. I used to watch the home run derby with my friends every summer just because it was fun and home runs are fun and cool and dunks are fun and cool. So it seemed like a pretty similar comparison and I don't watch the home run derby anymore and the dunk contest. God, we are doing zero favors to ourselves of being fun, fun basketball fans. The dunk contest just hasn't been fun. And I don't think that's a super outlandish thing to say. I don't think I've super enjoyed it since Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine were dueling in probably one of the best dunk contests that happened in the last like 25 years, maybe 30 years at this point. So yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I'll keep up with it. The skills challenge is kind of cool. That's probably about it. It's a nice break for all, all of the players and uh, we're going to be anxiously awaiting games again. The three games tonight are pretty good, but by the time everyone is listening to this, they'll already know the outcomes for that. So um, it'll be a rest time. Have some fun. If you enjoy the dunk contest, certainly to your heart's content, by all means. Um, go crazy for it. Go crazy. Go like nuts. it. Hey, that's great for you. That's awesome. I, I wish I did still. I, I really do. Um, so more more power to you. Um, and then by the time we are back and podcasting again, it's going to be nearly time to uh, review the second half of the season. Crazy, huh? Crazy how the, the season has flown by. But here we are. And before you know it, we'll, we'll be talking about the NBA draft. Yes, our favorite topic of all time. And hopefully the last time we'll be talking about top five prospects as legitimate candidates for the Pistons to draft in next year. Uh, next season rather we won't be won't be having to do that but regardless we hope that all of you will be joining us on our foray into the second half of the season and looking at all those prospects for the draft and then the offseason as well and we'll certainly be talking about the offseason plenty over the next several weeks as we climb closer and closer to the end of the season and again we look forward to it we look forward to bringing you all this content we look forward to the interactions, good or bad, mostly bad, um, as of late, <laughs> uh, uh, about our takes about Wiseman and whatnot. We love all of it. We love the interaction. It just shows that you care, and we're very thankful for that. Aaron, any closing thoughts before we wrap up this edition of the podcast? No, I mean, you said it best. Uh, we enjoy the interaction, whether you think we're stupid or not. Most of you seem to. That's quite fine by me. Just you're talking Pistons, having fun, and, and enjoying my time doing it. So thanks to everyone that, that listens and, and makes it possible. And if you didn't think that we weren't stupid when we were talking about Mitch McGarry every episode, then that's on you, quite honestly. So <laughs> <laughs> I think we are vindicated in that or uh, mentioning Steve Blake. So, uh, yeah, we are, we're, we're off the hook there. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Network. And speaking of Believe... Don't forget about our sponsor, Bet Online, and use that promo code BLEAV, believe, to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit at Bet Online. So, for my co host, Aaron Johnson, I am Mike Angolano. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. We will see you all next time.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.